Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Newsflash. Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen and gentle ladies. Becca and I, but potentially myself, are currently very old. We're now old news. Oh, I am now, actually. I'm going to put Becca in this. She can tell me. You can tell me, Becca, how you feel. Maybe you're not, but I'm old news because apparently, according to, I think it was Vice, and you did not find a thing, gifts are now old. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, it was Vice. And I love that they used as a reference now. Now, gifts, who use gifts anymore? Gifts are for boomers. And I was like, it shouldn't hurt the way that it's hurting because I'm not a boomer. First of all. Nothing wrong with that. But, I, you know, that's not my age gap. And I was like, oh, no more gifts. And you know what, listeners, Becca, everyone, I don't care. I will be old, even if the internet tells me that apparently gifts are old news. I don't believe it. I don't think it's true. What do you feel? <laughs> I felt really offended by that. I feel offended as well because I don't think they're old. Gifts are such a big part of like social media. What about every time you're sending like a meme in a message, like on Twitter as a reply? People do that, right? Right? Now I'm questioning it. Like <laughs> <laughs> they don't do it anymore. We're just doing it to the void. No, I I I don't believe that. I don't believe all is lost. I don't believe we're old. But I did find it fascinating because I was thinking exactly the same as you were thinking. I was like, what about memes? I don't think memes are going to go anywhere user intent wise, at least for a very long time. And a big part of it is usually obviously like an animated meme, so a GIF. So I was like, I mean, the article is interesting. It's quite it's quite a long read. So again, I'm just giving you the the, the distillation of, <laughs> of of my personal sadness from it. But it is, you know, it is saying how, you know, some of these things actually tend to age and then they actually, you know, because the younger generation maybe doesn't accept them as much. But then to me, there's still a lot of value in, even if we are slightly older than 18, you know, there's still a big active user base, especially on places like Twitter or even on Instagram or even on LinkedIn, that still finds it relatable and fun. But it's really interesting to see how it's almost kind of reminding us that, you know, different things will actually age very differently. And apparently gifts are going that way. So, sorry, Becca. I started already with really, really, really gloomy news, haven't I? Uh, I just, I don't know how to feel about this, you know. This is this is shaking me. I'm shook. Because I use, I was just thinking about, like, I use gifts all the time. Where am I using them? I use them a lot on Slack as well. On Slack, they're perfect. Send a gift. Like, it just fits. And now I'm like, oh, no. What do you want to guess? Actually, I'm going to tell you a little trivia for everyone. Can you guess how old gifts are when they were invented? Because that probably puts things in perspective a bit oh as well. God. Anyone think about it as well as you're listening? Uh, it must be in the 90s, right? Is it? That sounds see, even when I say that, I'm like, 90s is not that long ago, and then it's like, <laughs> actually, <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's like that, that was us way back then. Uh, 1987. So for everyone, ladies and germs at home, um, the GIF was invented in 1987 
and the format has already fallen out of favor and back in favor multiple times in the past. So that's the thing when you think about it. I think now they've become a bit like emoji. They've become such a staple way for us to communicate. And I do believe that maybe if they do fall out of favor a bit again, I do believe that it might be a case, are you a gift person? Are you an emoji person? Are you a nothing person? Because, you know, your life is miserable. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Everybody be like, what? <laughs> no, but it's true, though. I think you might see that, you know, when people, some people like to use emojis more. Some people, even your brand. I find, for example, all marketing school is an emoji brand. Creative impact is actually, we have gifts, we have some fun, but it's a different type of, of usage and a different type of representation. I think sometimes we forget that you're not just our personal brands, but also brands' brands will differ in that tone of voice. This makes me, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what my own brand is now. I'm like, am I more of an emoji person, more of a gift person? And then do you ever have this dilemma? Okay, this is going to probably make me sound like I actually am old, but sometimes if I'm sending a gift, I'll be like, no, that's not the right gift. No, no. And I'll have to, I'll spend an embarrassingly long time trying to find the right gift for the right expression. So I'm like, no, that one just doesn't, it just doesn't hit right. No, like that's not, not the right reference. And then finally I'll, um, I'll send one, especially in Slack actually, because in Slack you have the little shuffle button. So you just type in like, you know, haha or whatever. And then you just cycle around. Sometimes I'm there for quite a while. So I'm like, nah, that one's just not right. Now I'm like, oh my God, some people will be like, why would you do that? Just send an emoji. <laughs> Actually, I am the person, so just to make you feel better, I am the person that gets really like crossed when somebody is starting to type before I get the chance to send my very carefully chosen GIF. So, you know what? We are one of the same. We are so we are soulmates. Well, well we knew that already. We're like one type of soulmate. <laughs> we are just not, not, not that type of soulmate, anyone wondering. Uh, <laughs> you know, like... Are we really that old? Is it really all the way that it is? But I thought we'd start today's episode with that because it really, it really got me. And I'm looking at my other bits of news, but that one was one of my faves because I was like, I'm going to talk to Becca about this because I want to see if she understands me. She feels my pain. So listen, as if you feel our pain, let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Instagram. Just just let us know that you're team GIF. Please, please, team GIF forever. <laughs> now, Becca, I'm going to actually pass the baton to you. This was one of my favorite things in the last couple of weeks, so you can tell. <laughs> what about yourself? Is there anything out of the millions of things that have happened that actually really stood out? And don't worry, team, we'll cover as much, but obviously we're going to keep on covering the next coming weeks because there's been quite a lot, I think. Okay, well, gosh, TikTok did something and I just, I don't know how to feel about it. I feel confused. <laughs> so basically, um, there's there's two elements to this. Number one TikTok are working on a new avatar feature where you can create your own avatar. And so far, I mean, this is only very, very early stages of what we've seen, but the customization options do look really good and look very kind of TikTok-esque, if that makes sense. Like they've not just cloned and not like, you know, when you can make um, the little avatar on your like if you've got an iPhone on your phone like that, like it looks like they've done something new, which is great, but it's like, what, why, why do they need to create an avatar? Question mark. You know, what's, what's the purpose of this? What's the value? And I think this is the very early stages of um, TikTok working towards their, their involvement in the metaverse and possibly even the NFT world. 
So I will park that because we'll revisit that. But that's just a hint of like what's to come. The other thing, TikTok. They appear to be experimenting with audio only live streams. What? What is that? What is going on? So, you know, we've talked about Clubhouse. I feel like I said it every week. Like Clubhouse, good old Clubhouse. Remember them? Everyone's copied them. And I feel like Twitter have really secured that space, you know, for better or for worse. Uh, Twitter are now the audio kind of platform, if you like. But TikTok want in on that. And so they're testing it. So super early still. So there's nothing really to see yet. But I am interested as to why TikTok have done this. Whether this is, also, well, it is a nice connection to the avatars because obviously if it is audio only, you want some kind of visual. But why, you know, why can't you just use your um, TikTok profile picture anyway? But I also wonder. I, I always think of TikTok as, and it is the most visual platform and live streaming is a huge part of the platform. And some people love it. They will watch live streams for hours. Creators love live streams. And I think it, they do live streams very, very well. I just question like, if you were on TikTok and you were a creator, why you would want to do an, an audio stream. It just doesn't seem to make sense because you'd be so used to, you know, being on video it doesn't, I think there's a bit of a disconnect there. And I also think like it's quite late to the party. You know, we've had Clubhouse a year ago, Twitter have come along. We've already heard LinkedIn testing it and stuff as well. So I get this, this particular thing um, feels like more of a, oh, we are doing it just because everyone else is doing it, which I'm like, TikTok, no, what are you doing? Like be yourself, own it. Own the fact you don't have audio streaming, you know? <laughs> I feel there has been a lot of TikTok recently actually doing this and kind of be like, now I'm going to try and, and follow the herd. And I'm like, why? And I understand it. I mean, there's part of me that was thinking as you were talking, diversification, maybe attracting new audiences, like the, the reluctant audiences are still like, I'm too old for TikTok. And whether they're like, well, you can still do it in a more adult way. There's also something to be said. I mean, if you look at, our podcasts and again our tiktok as um uh, all marketing school i will be 100 honest just because of time as well because i'm running as i mentioned a few times ago currently i'm running all of it all of them there's a lot of accounts everybody's fine that my brands but still for tiktok i find that works really well and it's easy for us to reuse snippets especially now that i have about seven thousand of them because of the new systems that we use which is excellent so you know within that then i'm like actually as a podcaster i can see now put it this way, I can understand the value of it in a way that I'm like, okay, I could use that. But it's always the point of, you know, where would you go for audio? Probably you will go in one of the platforms that you're most active on already in that space with that intent. And if you really like TikTok is about entertaining, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's not entertaining to hear somebody talking like we are hilarious. So you're welcome. But you know what I mean? There might still be something to be said about is it really what we need right now? And I don't know, there's part of me that feels that maybe TikTok is a touch scrambling. I was reading about the, the backlash that they're having because of obviously like the creative payments and things like that. And I think Becca's got words for it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave her the stage in a second. But there is something that I'm thinking about when it comes to that and whether, you know, they're really trying to appease the creators as much as possible as their main audience. Again, 
trying to kind of stay up with the times, but it's almost like, are you really giving them what they want and what they need? I don't know. It, I think it's a bit complicated and I know that you love TikTok. So you're kind of like, please be good. But I'm wondering whether going with this, and again, it was really interesting to see that at the same time, there has been, um, you know, problems in, how do, you, how do you say that? Problems in paradise or something like that? So yeah, maybe tell us a bit more about that because I see she's literally, you can see her body is like, ah, so tell us a bit more about this this backlash as well because there's been a lot going on for TikTok in the last couple of weeks. There has, there has. So essentially, TikTok has a creator fund, which we've talked about in the past, where you can sign up and the best way to explain it is that there's a big pot of money that TikTok have put aside to pay all of the creators in this creator fund. So obviously, at the beginning, when it was first introduced, not many creators had joined it. It was still quite a new thing, people testing it out. Because I remember there was one stage where people were convinced if you joined it, your views went down and like a little mini conspiracy. But that seems to have gone away now. And lots of creators do join the creator fund because they want to receive payment for the, you know, the time and the effort they're putting into the platform. Sounds great. The only problem is, or and this is what's kind of caused some of this um, criticism, is that that pot of money isn't getting any bigger. And as more creators are joining, all of their payments are getting less and less and less because it's going to be shared around more people. And this is where the creative fund differs from something like YouTube, where it's a lot more, I suppose you could argue it's more within the creator's control because they are paid based on uh, like the number of views or the number of ad impressions throughout their video. So there's more kind of customization options, number one. And two, it's not how much money is in the big pot at YouTube's end, you know, in, in the case of TikTok, it's okay, what can I do to my content? So this has caused a bit of a problem because obviously, you know, TikTok push the creator fund quite heavily and people rely on it. You know, it's a form of income. People put so much time into TikTok and I'm not surprised that as, you know, the payment has gone down, people aren't happy because this at the end of the day is one of the reasons um, kind of a few months ago, people would have chosen TikTok as I'm going to dedicate time to this platform. I'm going to put my content on here because it's got this option. If this no longer is viable, then, you know, YouTube has YouTube shorts. Instagram has got reels like there are other places, even if I don't want to admit it. But um, I think they really need to be careful and iron this out because otherwise creators are going to be very unhappy very quickly i think with this kind of thing so i'm i am interested to see if tiktok do something about it i think i think they have to i don't think they can ignore this i'm also wondering from um creative perspective whether i think and i understand because i'm also a creator even if again i'm, I'm also a, a business owner i think that's where i had to choose actually quite honestly because I could have gone more into that realm, especially with my writing. And then I realized that the time that I was spending writing for somebody else and still getting paid, it wasn't like commissioned. It was more like kind of as a creator, I could spend actually writing for my own stuff. And I was like, why am I doing this? So I understand the pull. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm also talking from a creator, but also business owner perspective. It's really hard because you feel, you see, my 
suggestion for any creator listening, hello, my dear listeners, again, would be to think about is 2022 the year of clear diversification between the relying on platforms, which I understand is really powerful, relying on platforms to actually support you and their funds, but also understanding how can you become the entrepreneur slash owner of the business that maybe you want to be, whichever product you want to have. And it's daunting. It's bloody daunting because it's running a business is not easy, but then you need to also face, and this again comes from a perspective of somebody that has that background, that your personal brand that becomes a business. And I also believe that with all the love in the world, if you are 18 years old and you're making money by doing what you love, it's all well and good. And I was there, I was well, not 18, I was 23. And I mean, I'm 31 now, I should know. And I'm like, wow, the things that I didn't know then. And I did it and I went to uni and I did really, really, really unflattering jobs as well in, in the meantime. And I learned so much from every single experience of that. And all I'm saying is, I believe that it's great to give um, creators the money and the support, but also if they want to expand and evolve, there has to be another type of grinders as well. Because it's really hard. Some of these younger people didn't have that, like, I don't know if you've seen, I was talking to somebody actually, about the Netflix Hype House, I think it's called, the series. And it really shone a big light on it. I think Becca's going to have thoughts on that. And it really shone a big light on, you know, how these people perceive the jobs and their opportunities. And, you know, it's like, how much is it their fault, really? And how much is it the fact that, okay, we give them money, but maybe... It's about different types of support that you want to give them because not everyone has the natural instincts of knowing how to turn their personal brand into a business. Rant over, <laughs> but I feel really strongly about this. I don't know if you've seen that, but I heard a lot of thoughts about the documentary as well, documentary, the series, and what is shone a light on. No, I know. So actually, confession, haven't watched it yet, but I am very, very eager to because I think it's going to, like I've heard a lot of the chatter around it and I'm like oh my goodness I need to know but I completely agree with everything you've said basically it's I think it's a difficult part of social media especially how it ties into creators and I think it's it just highlights as well how with even the best intentions it's never really in your control and things can change at any minute and that's a lot of pressure for a creator and people in this industry, when you think of a traditional, I don't know, yeah, traditional career or something where it's like, you know, when you'll be going to work, when you'll get paid, it will be consistent. Like everything is quite stable. It's stable and you know what's coming. And if there is change, there's usually like a warning. But with this, I think it just highlights how everything is so, it's fluctuating all the time and it just, I think it, it's just worth remembering what a responsibility these platforms have because any changes they make is going to have such a knock-on impact to creators and it could be a simple change for the platform could be a huge change for the creator but yeah I agree with everything you said basically <laughs> <laughs> thank you but you know one other thing that I want to say just to kind of back it up briefly before I jump on one thing that I really love from the past week is that even just to explain the context, I am in charge of how I social media class for the certification. Again, if you're checking it now, we're now starting actually. So welcome to all the new students. And if you go to allmarketingschool.com, you can get in the waiting list for the next cohort. Just want to say that. Hello. But for that class, all about social media and user intent, just in case you need to know. And 
for all the students and future students, it's going to be a very fluid class because the first lesson that you can learn about social media is that in 2014 or 2015, you could literally say, I'm going to do this thing forever and it's always going to work. In 2022, even 2020, and I think that's where a lot of people struggled, you don't have that luxury anymore. So for me, it's a struggle to actually do a class because I'm like, I can't teach them. I can teach them a way of thinking and a framework that helps them evolve with it and be on and be flexible and adaptable because social media is flexible and adaptable. Otherwise, our job here to chat about social media every week will be short lived because we'll be like, oh, yeah, (laughs) nothing. Nobody's doing anything for the past six months, but it's not true. It constantly changes. So it's a challenge for me to to deliver a class that actually gives you something that is long term as a challenge I'm willing to take. But I think you also hopefully, and I know it will, this class that I teach will really help you as a student open your mind about a different way of look at social media. What can you control and what do you know, which is who your audience is? How can you reflect on the user intent as it changes? And why will it change? Mostly is a bit because your audience changes, but it's also because the platform changes. So if the platform is pushing um, content like memes or threads, we're using Twitter as an example, then your users are going to be um, educated that are going to be used to a different way of, of digesting the content. It's just as simple as that because they're not going to see the old type of tweets or content. So then their intent is going to evolve also based on the platform. It doesn't mean that you're doomed. It just means that, you know, refreshing, you know, looking at pop culture, looking at what is already there that is working is going to be more powerful than ever. Little aside, obviously it is talking about the class, but hopefully I give you something to think about in general because I feel otherwise you're like, well, sod it then. <laughs> you know, who cares about social if it changes all the time? It's frustrating and it is. But it's also a lot of opportunities, I think, to be humbled up a bit and evolve. On that note, Twitter flocks. I'll be honest, alliterations of names really love me. There's fleets, there's <laughs> flocks, the everything around. Yes, Twitter, bring it on. Um, you know, I'm not angry. <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about am I angry at this at this update I'm not I mean I don't would it be needed I don't know a little fun fact before Becca has strong thoughts about this I think I can see in her eyes but um I actually already did a little a pool on Twitter asking people how they digest content from people or how do they I guess you know kind of like get in touch with new people and it was like do they do you follow them do you add them into list do you do both or other and currently follow them is at the top but there's quite a few people that actually have said I've been like no I actually just add them to a list so again maybe Twitter seeing a trend and I asked this question just out of curiosity and it was interesting to see that it's not like one definite answer yet we'll see it's still going at the time of recording but Becca what do you think uh, I was intrigued I think that is oh. really interesting yeah and I was thinking about how I use Twitter I I have about I'd say four lists of different people like within different kind of industries I suppose which I do like ever since I think this came in a couple of years ago now on your phone you can see your home feed on Twitter and then you can pin your favorite lists so they're also at the top so you can just swipe and I do quite like that um so it's, it's just nice it's just nice of organizing if you've got like a couple of different like interests or you're sort of in a different niche or you want to follow a different niche it's a nice way of organizing people but yeah this new flocks option i also love the name i was like oh oh twitter 
Hello. And essentially, yeah, it's going to be a way it kind of ties in, I feel, with the uh, with Twitter communities. So where you can join a community and it's just within that kind of bubble, you can post to there and it won't be anywhere else. Um, but as far as I know, um, I'm trying to remember if that has like an upper limit. I don't know, it might do, but that's that's not the point. Um, but this is on much more kind of small scale. You can have up to 150 people in your Twitter flock. So it's going to be a very select group of users. Um, basically, when you share your tweet, you can pick just share it to my flock. And that's what will happen. It will go there. So I think it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting. I feel like there's going to be a lot of chatter at the moment like twitter threads for example have become a huge kind of growth hack for people on twitter looking to expand their audience and now it's verging on like oh no not another twitter thread that's not discrediting the content that comes in the thread at all because i still think that most of them are actually genuinely helpful but it's just become like a everyone will do twitter threads now um so i wonder if this is going to become the thing like DM me if you want to be part of my flock, you know, like, and then you feel like you're in a, a special club and this level of like exclusive content in some way, I think will be interesting. But I don't know. I think there will be a lot of that, but I can see it potentially, I don't know, not, not really staying at the front of people's minds. Like it might be a novelty thing and then it'd be like, oh, a flock. And then they users forget the feature exists. We'll have to see. But I do think one of the main reasons people will see will use it just because of how they're using Twitter threads or even community invites. I don't know if you're in any communities fab on Twitter yet. I'm in one for Notion because oh, of course I am. And that felt really difficult to get into, not because there is any like criteria, but because at the moment, because communities are still really early, you have to like know it exists to find out about it. And then you've got to get an invite and getting the invite can be difficult because quite often people almost like hang it over you like, oh, do you want an invite? Like DM me. You have to like do a bit of like it's not easy to join necessarily. And I think this might be the same. I can see the same tactic being used, which is great. But I feel like it might make some users feel like oh, oh, I don't want to be involved with that. Like that's you're making me jump through hoops to get content. I just want to come on Twitter and see the content. That's what they're here to do. So I think it's going to be interesting, but I do like the name. We'll see if it lasts. Fleets didn't. Like, <laughs> burn. <laughs> burn. There we go. You know, I was thinking about the community piece as well. And there's part of me in my head is like, do people really need more communities? And again, for somebody who literally is all about community, that's one of my, you will say expertises because I, I run one. I help people setting up others. But I realized that people necessarily, it's not like they want a community. They want an element of support or a safe space to be able to support them with an issue they have. And when you kind of think about that, that transformation from a community member, that's really what people want. And yes, I also teach a class on community design. And yes, this is in a certification. So yes, if you want to join us or marketingschool.com slash learn, join us. And for me, it was fascinating because I keep learning about community and I believe that even social platforms need to be careful because it's not just about shared interest. It's also about, you know, how, why would I get back to it? 
And I think flocks become the, the small communities in themselves. And as you said, I do agree. Like we have we have the, the problem of that potentially becoming a bit like Clubhouse was again, Clubhouse hello. When it started, they became a grow they became a growth hack. Clubhouse itself was like because it was one thing, became a massive growth hack. And it almost, you know, deterred some people from actually spending time on it or joining rooms because you were like, is it all about showing up, showing up, showing up? So if, and then everybody was doing it. That's that's what everybody was talking about. So if everybody uses Flock as a growth hack, then as you say, it can become that almost novelty. And it's kind of funny because I don't know, obviously I cannot, I don't have a crystal ball or my hat doesn't allow me to get into Twitter's HQ, so I don't know. But part of me was thinking, maybe Twitter, actually, what they did, they tried the Twitter blue, the national subscription, and I don't know, I don't think it's sticking, a bit like Fleet. I don't think it's sticking the option to be like, yeah, you know, like super followers, they actually can access like specific tweets nobody else can, because that's what it is. Flock is literally the same thing, but for free, obviously, when you think about it. I'm not saying that it's not there or that it's not going to continue, but I haven't heard much about it. I I don't see it at the forefront of the pushing from Twitter. And so that's kind of what I'm wondering, which is kind of interesting because just to mention one more thing this week, because to this week we're giving you all the goodness, team. Instagram instead thought, no, you know what? Subscription is actually a great idea, Twitter. I'm sorry about that. And they're the ones that decided to then test a new subscription method. And it goes back to what we talked about today a lot, which is the creator economy. And it's kind of giving the creators on Instagram another chance to monetize their audience. And I don't know how I feel about that again, because it's like, you know, I think it's great for creators, but I'm I'm scared and I'm wary that maybe people who are not creators or, you know, when you have other strands, they're going to be like, oh, this is another great way to make money. And I think you're diluting your intent on Instagram because then you're like asking people to, I don't know, book a call with you, but also give you money for the subscription, but also, you know, there's the affiliates. I don't know. I've got strong feelings about it because I feel it's great from a creator perspective because it maybe allows them to really give the community on Instagram a bit more humph. But also, obviously, they're not the only people that are on Instagram and it's one of those audiences that is not like TikTok where creators are the main ones. I think Instagram has got a lot more different types of users to, to be wary of. So from my skeptical hat currently is on actually let me put the skeptical hat on instagram subscription you are good but are you ready and how is it actually going to work on the platform for real when it comes to the users using it and encouraging their audience to actually jump on i genuinely don't know i think it's going to be really interesting to see how it's going to pan out i i just think it might scare users off you know like if you're not a creator and I do agree. I think that there's going to be a fine line between creators using it kind of for a good cause and for a genuine, like, I will provide legit, helpful, valuable content to you if you subscribe. Um, and I, But I feel like some people will just somehow, I don't know, use it in a bad way. But I'm just worried, or I'm not worried, like, it'll be fine. But <laughs> I feel like... You know, if you've got people who use Instagram and they're not a creator, they're not in this industry, it might just look like, oh, what do you mean? Like, I, why can't I just carry on getting the, the normal content, you know? And I think it's, again, because there are so many alternatives of this subscription, like, method out there. Like, there's Patreon, there's, there's Instagram, 
and there's kind of other things coming up. I think it would be confusing and it might make you think, well, where where am I supposed to, if I enjoy this creator's content, where am I supposed to subscribe to them? Is Instagram the best way? Should I do it to Patreon? Shall I do it somewhere else? You know, have they got an exclusive newsletter or something that I should be joining? I think on the one hand, although it, it's like, of course, if you're on Instagram, like make it possible for people to pay for your content. But I just think that there's this element of, of confusion, like where is the best place to actually benefit a creator and not alienate or confuse the user, like the consumer, because I think I would feel like that. Like there's a couple of creators I can think of off the top of my head who I follow on Instagram. They've got a few things like maybe I think like somebody in my mind, you know, they've written a book and they've got a podcast and some of that they do like behind the scenes clips of their podcast, which they put on Patreon, which I pay for because they're hilarious. It's great. Jessie Cave, if anyone's wondering, she's, I recommend following her, but it's like, I can think about, okay, she's on Instagram. She's very active. Would it make sense for her to do this? But then I'm, it's even I'm thinking, but I already pay for Patreon. So like, what would I do if she started, if she swapped? I think, I think it's great, but I think the industry as a whole is, is potentially confusing your average consumer because where there's nothing obvious that says this is most beneficial if you're trying to help your creator or this is, you know, trustworthy. I think a lot of people trust Instagram on a payment perspective because of Instagram shopping. But yeah, I've got very mixed feelings about it. I'm, I'm feeling the same and I think it's going to be interesting to see where that pans out. I want to share one more thing, just a little thing that this is like a quick hack, quick uh, Reels hack. Reels added, apparently, I haven't checked on my own, but they added new sound effects that you can add to your voiceovers for Reels. And this is a bit of a, one of those things that you notice as a feature that hasn't been on social media. So you're listening to this, you might just see it. And if you haven't, you're welcome. You hear it first. Come back for more every week. But yeah, it's really cool. I saw um, a screenshot and somebody actually showing in their accounts and it's things like laugh and claps, which is hilarious because we tried it because we actually can do it with this new platform. And Becca was terrified because it was delayed, the claps that we got here. And she was like, what the hell is going on? And I was like, sorry, I was trying things. But it could be cute. You know, I think I just wanted to mention first because it's a cute feature and secondly, because... I'm going to close today by saying that I had a conversation with somebody and they were just kind of trying to beg me not to tell them that they kind of have to invest time in reels if they want to be growing on Instagram. Because before I was like, yeah, you know, if you don't feel like it. And I think a lot of marketers have been like, if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. And I was like, no, just, just, it is. So it's really interesting to see that Instagram is like, actually, we're making more special. I think it's almost, tell me what you think. It's like, it doesn't have to be fully polished, but I think the one us, you know, TikTok, you can genuinely just use a, an audio effect and that's about it. I think Instagram wants Reels to become almost like, more like, like, it's hard. Like mini nice videos, but it has a bit more of a post-production feeling to it. At least right now, that's how I'm seeing it. But little hack, little new feature that you might have, it might come up to you to your Instagram stories, so check it out, like sounds effects. I think he's under the voiceover from what I've seen. And you can add them to your reel as you are composing it and editing it. So yeah, that's about that. I don't know if you didn't know about this, Becca, but that's a new little thing. We didn't, we didn't, but I do agree. I think the way Instagram present content, reels and all of the other formats does make it feel like they should be a little bit more polished when they're uploaded compared to TikTok where you, the focus isn't really like 
what the thumbnail is as much or what it looks like on the feed. But Instagram, I'm like, no, that makes sense. I can see like anything, all these little things that they're adding to help get towards that point makes sense. So it's good. Team, it's time to say goodbye <laughs> once again, but we'll be back next week as always. We do have a quite a few things still left over to talk about so don't you worry nothing we try obviously to cover every single week the things that are most pressing unless literally the day before this goes out instagram decides to completely change their feed again which they did once but obviously there's always more and we had a bit of a drier spell over christmas which is fine because we were all resting but trust us <laughs> they're not gonna stop 2022 they're not gonna stop i I do believe that 2021 has changed a lot of things, especially from the online world. And I think 2022 is where everybody's figuring out how to make the most of the wider changes. So stay tuned. In the meantime, once again, if you want to find out more about, excuse me, the waiting list for the next cohort of the certification, go to allmarketingschool.com slash learn. If you're a student and you're listening, welcome again. We're so excited to have you for the next six weeks to join us and become a better marketer, making a positive impact in the world as well. You can tell us anything. Also, if you use GIFs once again on um, Instagram, Alt Marketing School, on Twitter, Alt Mark School, or you can just let me know your favorite GIF by dropping me a line anywhere at Fab Giovanetti. What about yourself, Becca? I'm at Becca Social. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.